welcome to the Out of Limits of Inner Truth Radio Show, OutofLimitsRadio.com. I'm your host, Ryan. Hope your summer is going unbelievable. I just got back from a family reunion and it was a blast. I got to see people face to face I haven't seen in a long time. Caught up. Found out that my grandfather apparently is buddy buddies with uh, Joey Gallo, the notorious mobster. It was good friends. And uh, I guess that he helped Joey Gallo to become a better mobster. So that's kind of wonderful to hear. Uh, a lot of other interesting family history that happened. But something occurred that I want to share with you. And that is how important it was, at least from my experience, to see people face to face. A lot of people on social media, that you know, doing updates and posts. And I feel that that stuff is fake. It's not real. It doesn't really, you know, have real intimacy, real feelings of being connected with people. I think it alienates a lot of people. So in business, in my personal life, I try to see people face-to-face as often as possible. I know I definitely want to do more with my family, but it's incredible. You know, if you haven't seen someone in a long time, you're, you know, texting with them or emailing them try meeting them face to face it could be a wonderful experience i think human beings by nature like cake and like to be around other people and speaking of cake we have our focus of attention today is going to be about hypnosis and the powers of hypnosis i have been trying to hypnotize myself to not eat cake or go to the refrigerator five to 15 times a night but i have failed but that's not to say i'm not trying <laughs> but apparently hypnosis is working with your subconscious mindset. So apparently we have our conscious mindset and then we have our subconscious mindset. And your subconscious mind is where you have all those deeply held beliefs. So even if you believe something on a conscious level, if it is rooted deeply in your subconscious and it's a contradiction to what you believe on a conscious level, apparently you're not gonna, you're always gonna butt heads. And what's great about the hypnosis is you're working on the deepest recesses of your mind to modify, to change those beliefs I have been hypnotized a few times before, and I have to say from a first-hand experience, I think it's very effective. I'm always going to be a work in progress, and maybe you should always think about yourself as a work in progress, but it's wonderful because you can modify, change things, and improve your life, and let us begin tonight's program. Joining us now is Steve Tobin. He's a best-selling author, speaker, Transformational Neuro Hypnotist. Can you learn more about him by going to his website? At Steve, S-T-E-V, Taubman, T-A-U-B-M-A-N.com. Steve, welcome to the program. It's a great honor to have you with us today, sir. Brian, pleasure to be here. Okay, thank you. Focus of attention is how to bring into your experience, draw into your experience, the love of your life, or even people that you can get along with on a romantic level. How can you can you hypnotize yourself into believing that you are deserving of love? And can you hypnotize yourself into presenting yourself as being more competent, more attractive than you currently believe that you are? Yes and yes. Okay. Uh, and, and let me first uh, honor you by asking the question, because uh, when I find that people are lacking the love they feel they want but don't necessarily believe they deserve, uh, and they know that I'm a hypnotist, their first go-to question is usually, how do I hypnotize somebody else to love me? Oh, jeez. <laughs> and, of course, as a, you know, as a transformational hypnotist, my job is to show you that it's never about your influence on others. It's always about your influence on yourself. Okay. So always about what you're, what's going on between your own ears because that's how you will naturally have a possible influence on other people around you. It's the only consistent reliable way to do it. So bravo for the question. Thank you. 
And I guess some things that some people out there, they're, um, they're actually pretty good looking and they're stable, yet they don't feel inside that they deserve to find great love or they've had a lot of negative experiences. So what would be a couple of steps you would recommend that people do to transform that on the subconscious level? How, how could they hypnotize themselves into, you know, feeling that they are worthy, that they are deserving of, of love? Well, step one is to get off of the hamster wheel. You know, the hamster wheel is that thing that you run on that doesn't take you anywhere. And in this case, the hamster wheel is I don't feel like I'm good-looking enough. I don't think I'm deserving enough. I don't think I'm smart enough. Whatever it is, I don't think I'm enough of. What I'm going to do is I'm going to run on the hamster wheel fast as I can, as strongly as I can, toward whatever that thing is I think I'm not enough of. So I'm not good-looking enough, so I'm going to work out more. I'm going to get better makeup. I'm going to get a better wardrobe. I'm going to do everything I can to be better looking. And I'm not saying that those are necessarily bad steps to take, but they're not going to get you the deservingness that you feel you need. So step one is get off the hamster wheel and realize that where you are right here right now is worthy of love. So if you can at least accept that provisionally, if you could at least say to yourself, yeah, you know what, I'm, I, I believe it's possible to believe that. Well, then the very next step is how do I believe it? How do I change my beliefs? And self-hypnosis is one of the most powerful, pro profound ways to do that because what we know is that your beliefs live in your subconscious mind. They live in a part of your mind that you're not necessarily aware of moment by moment, but they're constantly influencing you. They're constantly acting on your actions and on your, and on, and on your, uh, uh, your attitudes that you're projecting out to others. So if you want to start right away, right now, to change the way you believe, well, there are a few techniques out there. Most people have heard of affirmations. Ryan, you know affirmations, yep. right? Absolutely. Okay. I'm good enough, I'm smart enough, and dug on to people like me. Every day and every way I'm getting better and better. So these are, these are statements in which you're affirming something about yourself that you don't yet believe. Now, there's a problem with standard affirmations, and the problem is that there's two parts of you. There's, of course, there's many parts of you. But the two primary parts are the conscious and the subconscious. And so when you're saying out loud, I'm good enough and I'm smart enough and dog hunted people like me, then there's a part of you that's deeper and it's been there longer and it's more powerful and it tends to say, no, I'm not, no, I'm not, no, I'm not. So, you know, you say the affirmation and then your subconscious mind refutes the affirmation and you're playing kind of a tug of war game with your own psyche. Okay. You're familiar with that concept, yes. right, Ryan? I mean, you've seen that with people. Uh, you, you know, you see when people try to stop smoking, they, they know they shouldn't, but, but in, their inner gut tells them they should, and so they're, they're at odds with themselves, with themselves. So in this case, what, what hypnosis does that affirmations don't do is it puts you into a receptive state. It basically softens that alternate voice, that counter-argument, the devil on your shoulder that says you're not good enough. So what if it were true, what if it were true that Beneath the, um, beneath the voices in your head, whether they're good voices or bad voices, beneath those voices is a quiet place, what we might call a blank slate. You're neither good nor bad. You're neither desirable nor undesirable. You're neither perfect nor imperfect. You're just, you just are. And if I could take you to that place, if I could take you to that quiet place, what I call the blank canvas on which you paint the masterpiece of your life, so step one is getting quiet, learning how to get quiet. And, of course, there are many techniques to get quiet, but the quickest and easiest way to get quiet is to use whatever's happening right now in this moment as a, as a tool for getting quiet. So, for example, let's say you're stressing out. 
you're uncomfortable, you're anxious, you're upset, somebody's bothered you, uh, you're having thoughts that are not making you feel very good. What you can do right then and there is you can just stop letting the thoughts run amok, but instead turn your attention to the feelings in your body. So this is a very useful tool for a hypnotist and for, or for a meditator to just take their attention away from their, uh, their thinking and put it onto the physical reality of the moment. It's a, it's a very useful tool for getting quiet very quickly. So even if what you're feeling is a bellyache or if what you're feeling is, uh, is tension in your neck, that's a perfectly acceptable thing to put your attention on quietly and calmly. And just let yourself explore it the way a scientist would explore uh, what's inside of the test tube. Become that backstage mindful observer of your own experience, and that will quiet your mind, and that will make you more receptive to the positive voices so that when you start saying positive things to yourself, you don't have that alternate voice saying, no, I'm not, no, I'm not, no, I'm not. Okay. So as far as hypnosis goes, hypnotization, Yep. If you have a deeply held belief in your subconscious, can you actually overcome that? Can some people not be hypnotized? And if you're having those difficulties, what are some of the ways that you could finally get through your subconscious through hypnotization? Okay, great, great question. And the answer, the short answer is no. There's nobody who cannot go there. Now, there are people, if I'm doing a stage hypnosis show and I've got a bunch of people on stage and I want to get some of them hypnotized for the enjoyment of an audience, I'm going to choose some people over others because they're quicker to hypnotize, because they're easier to hypnotize, or because under those circumstances, uh, they're going to be the most effective to hypnotize. But the reality, Ryan, is that we are all hypnotized all the time. You know, the things that, that we believe are there because at one point in our lives we were hypnotized. We were open. We were not paying attention to what was going in, and so it went in. And so we spent a lot of our lives in hypnotic trances. How many times have you driven home and you don't remember how you got there? No, I don't remember what I did you know. this morning. Yeah, there you go. Perfect example, right? I mean, we're constantly in trance, so there's no human being who can't enter trance. Now, you and I both are analytical, quick-thinking New Yorkers, right? So we're like the tough we're, – we're the tough cell folks. And you also passionate animal rights activists, too. Should make sure – And we're passionate – exactly. We have strongly held beliefs, and they're good beliefs, and we're, we're awesome. But, but the reality is both you and I have stuff in our heads that we'd like to get rid of. And so, like, in your situation, like you said, you've been in a situation where you've tried to hypnotize yourself. You've tried to be hypnotized. You are analytical. You have a hard time letting go. You're resistant. The answer to that is a combination of things. One is, is repetition. Two is safety. So you need to repeat this process in a safe place. So a safe place may not be on stage where, where people are trying to get you to do ridiculous things because then you're going to be in that state where you're trying to, you know, where you're saying, I don't want anybody to control me, right? But, but you could certainly uh, pick up an audio program like the ones that we have for, um, you know, for helping people quit smoking or lose weight or, or to be better uh, entrepreneurs uh, to listen to something uh, laying in bed before, before you go to sleep each night and you do it while you're less reactive, while you're less, uh, you know, uh, defended. And at those times, it starts going in a little bit at a time, and eventually you'll start to see the results. Okay. As far as the affirmations and what's being said in the hypnotic, hypnotic trance, do you find that if you are listening to someone who's the authority that you trust over your own voice, you're more inclined to have a transformative experience listening to someone who you trust, if you're more confident in the practitioner of hypnosis, 
as opposed to your own voice. And the reason why I bring it to your attention is because I've had some really positive experiences in listening to Dick Sutton, who we've had on our show, and he's had so many hypnotic CDs. And when I first started listening to him, I, I really did trust him, and I still do. But I felt I was more successful at least making progress listening to the sound of his voice as opposed to my own because he seemed like he was somebody who was very confident. So I'm wondering, from your perspective, what do you think is the most effective means of engaging the hypnosis? Well, without a doubt, you, you know, having having a sense of a trust and confidence in the person uh, who's delivering the hypnotic experience and the suggestions is of great value. Now, interestingly, you bring up the thing about your own voice. Um, what I've found is that uh, for myself and some other people, if you were to make a hypnotic, a self-hypnosis audio, and use your own voice, using a script that maybe Dick or myself created for you, but in your own voice, it goes quite deep. And the reason is that although you may not trust everything about what you have to say to yourself, you know, when we tell ourselves things, we believe them more than when other people tell us things, more often than not. So self-hypnosis can be very powerful. But, yes, uh, having somebody who you find is uh, an authoritative uh, voice that you trust and believe in and have confidence in, it can be very, very helpful. Okay. And you're saying that most people, I guess, during the day, maybe we're all, we're all getting triggered. So a lot of people are on their phones on a regular basis. They spend a considerable amount of time on their phones. Do you find that the, the phones are actually triggering them into being in a submissive or disempowered state? Are there certain types of stimuli that people have on a regular basis that you notice for the most part, disempower the individual and make them more susceptible to manipulation. Without a doubt. And, you know, not just while you're on the phone, just the very fact that you have one is already uh, a potential trigger. Because if you think about it, uh, how many times have you been sitting with somebody at lunch and, they're, and they get that little ping on their phone and they've got to reach for it and grab it to see who texted them? Or the phone rings and they pick up the phone and start talking to somebody in the middle of a conversation with you. I know I've had that happen to me plenty of times. And I've also been the guy on the other end of that where I hear the ding or I hear the ring, and, and I feel that initial tug to go ahead and grab the thing. Well, what does that mean? It means that you are, you're like Pavlov's dog, right? You're, you and others, all of us, are conditioned to act on a stimulus. You're going to respond to a stimulus the same way every time. Now, Henry David Thoreau said, when you hear the train whistle, don't go running for the train. Just sit quietly and contemplate what kind of music it resembles. Right? What, if we could, what if we could hear the sound of our phone, and instead of it becoming like something that triggers us the way uh, you, know, you, you push M3 on the jukebox and, and it plays Merry Christmas, instead of us being a jukebox, what if we were people of choice? So things happen, and you know, stimuli occur, and we take a beat. We take a breath. We wait a moment and we decide whether or not we're going to respond to that stimulus. We'd all be better off. But because we're very technologically uh, um, conditioned and programmed, uh, we're constantly on the Internet, we're constantly on Facebook, we're constantly on social media, we're constantly on the phone, we're that much more susceptible to those triggers. So do you think that that could be a reason why some people are never able to achieve the life that they want or able to conquer some of their you know, long-held challenges, which is maybe they, they don't want to eat so much, or they, maybe they, they want to stop smoking, or they want to feel less depressed. I'm just trying to get an idea, if in generalization speaking, generalized speaking, if 
the perpetual state of distraction is a prime root cause as to why people never end up achieving their goals. That was brilliantly said. Uh, the perpetual the perpetual state of distraction is a primary reason why people fail to achieve their goals. And why? Because inside of us, there's this rich inner world that, for most of us, includes a lot of negative, uncomfortable feelings and thoughts. And rather than go into that, and rather than embrace that, and rather than sit with it and move through it, we just distract ourselves with one thing after another. So as long as, you know, I've got, I could, as long as I could change the channel, you know, I never have to feel the nagging, tugging sense of dissatisfaction inside of my own soul. Why bother feeling that when, you know, uh, you know, when a Real Housewives is on in 15 minutes? Got it. Got it. One of the, I love Tony Robbins, and I remember reading his first book, I think, about personal power, and he talked about how to visualize and to all automatically be and change your state. And you always say, okay, visualize something in your mind, turn the volume up, make it a very intensified experience, and then grab your wrist and squeeze it a few times when you are out yeah. at the peak of that intensified experience. I have actually taken that, and I've utilized that when I used to do stand-up comedy, so I would be in the prime state of mentality, and it was very successful. Now, I'm wondering from your perspective, if you trigger yourself into a state, an earlier state of your life, and you are very happy, what tends to be stronger or resonate deeper? Is it a memory from your adulthood, or is it a memory from your childhood? Because I always hear a lot of things about how, well, in your subconscious mindset, the first eight or nine years of your life, those are the most important ones. So should you be thinking about a happier moment in your childhood and trying to responding into a state then, or should you be looking for that state in adulthood? Where do you find you'll have or draw upon the most power from? It, it makes absolutely no difference. So, so here's, here's why. Because in conventional psychotherapy, we, we think that all of your problems come from your childhood. We look, at, we look at time as a linear function, and, you know, so the things that happen earlier have more of a significance on you. So what do we do with that? We decide we're going to go back to therapy and try to find the answers. I've got to remember why this bad thing happened to me, and unless I remember why it happened to me, I'm never going to break through it. That's complete nonsense. It doesn't work that way. We are, we are beings of state. Just like Tony Robbins says, we're in a state, whether you're in an empowered state or disempowered state, whether you're creative or reactive, all of that is a state. And that state can be induced by anything in any moment. So if you could find a happy memory from 15 minutes ago, and you can fully live inside of that state, and you can anchor that state, like you said, squeeze your wrist or punch the air. Uh, if you can anchor a positive state and really, really dig it in deep, really feel that feeling and absorb that feeling, now that state itself is a resourceful state from which change can take place. It doesn't matter whether you accessed it from a young memory or you accessed it from something that happened a moment ago. It's, it's the state that matters, not the memory associated with the state. On our show previously, we've had on Dr. Jill Amon-Wexler, Dr. James Hart. We love talking about brainwave frequencies. And I'm wondering, from your perspective, what brainwave frequency, if you think of the alpha, beta, delta, theta, what brainwave frequency do you find that people are most susceptible to being um, able to transform uh, what's in the subconscious? You, should you get yourself into a meditative deep delta state and then start, you know, programming? Where do you find that? What's um, brainwave frequency can you be most effective in reprogramming your mind? 
Well, it's an interesting question. You know, when we're doing hypnosis on stage, we're really we're trying to get people down into a theta type of a state, so it's a pretty deep brainwave state. We're not going all the way to delta most of the time. Why? Because it's not entertaining to see a bunch of zombies on stage. Yeah, right. right. So we're not looking for that depth of, of, of brainwave patterns, although it's lovely when people, you know, sink down into very, very deep, slow brainwave patterns. Uh, but, but in therapeutic hypnosis, unlike stage hypnosis, when I'm working with somebody who's trying to quit smoking, lose weight, become more empowered, feel better about themselves, get rid of a fear or a phobia, they don't need to go that deep. We can, we can do it in alpha. We could do it in just a mildly more relaxed state of consciousness because all we're trying to do is to open up a pathway to the, to the body-mind connection. So, for example, when I do stage hypnosis, I will, you know, I'll have people, as I said, primarily in theta. It's almost like the rapid eye movement, the dreamlike state. They're, they're living a dream. They're, they're in a state of hyperimagination, and that's a theta type of a state. But... If I've got somebody in my office and I want to help them with one of those things and I just make them mildly relaxed and then I bring them through a, a phobia cure where they experience all the fears that are associated with the thing that they're afraid of and then use something like what Tony Robbins uses, some kind of an NLP, neuro-linguistic programming process, to help them uh, to anchor in a more positive state associated with the thing they used to be afraid of, it works. And so they didn't have to be that deep. Now, having said all that, I personally believe that we all would benefit from going delta as often as possible. Okay, so doing delta meditations. Yeah, deep meditation as often as possible. Because why? Because we're, we're, we've become human doings and not human beings. Our heads are full of chatter, and we need, we need quiet. We need replenishment. We need to go to that place where we're not who we think we are. Got it. And I want to let everyone know again real quick. Steve's website is stevetodden.com, and you've got this great book called On Hypnosis. I was wondering, can you please talk about maybe two or three top lessons that you're teaching in your book? Yeah, so On Hypnosis is my first book. Thankfully, it was an Amazon bestseller, and the, the book is called On Hypnosis because it's about waking up from the hypnotic trance that we all live in. You know, it's a funny thing to be a hypnotist telling people to wake up, but that's what I do. And, and so, so the objective of the book is to take people who are really trying to figure out what they want to do with their lives. You know, what do I want to do when I grow up? What, who do I want to be? How do I want to live? Who do I want to do it with? That, you know, we start out by recognizing that a lot of the decisions we make in our lives are being made because we're on automatic, because of the old programming. So step one in this book on hypnosis is about how to discover your essence, how to get quiet so that you can distinguish yourself from the voices in your head and the habits of your mind. So that's step one. Uh, step two is to start discovering your values and beliefs. Right? What are you know? What are the things that are really meaningful to you? Once you're quiet, once you're under that sort of a slight hypnotic spell, and you're not letting the your your brain run amok, what really does matter to you? What are the things that really will will drive you toward? And then and then and then from from there. Uh, goal setting, where your goals are congruent with both your conscious and your unconscious mind, your subconscious mind. Yeah, and then, and then, lastly, um, uh, how do you bring that out into the world? How do you, how do you uh, become the kind of person who is transmitting that your values, your beliefs, uh, not not trying to change other people's beliefs, but that you're living in full self-expression. So that's what the book is about. It's about learning to dig down deeper, ask better questions, become more. Uh, self-aware, 
and then set goals that are consistent with who you are when you're that person. And Steve, one of the things that people are probably looking at as well, I mean, I love this. You have a lot of interesting blogs on your site about how hypnosis can lead to corporate success. I'm sure people are probably wondering, okay, well, how do I program myself to have a millionaire-type mentality? And yeah. I guess that um, – and I think in our society, it's, it, it's becoming more difficult to be successful through conventional ways because I feel like, you know, between the government wanting to tax you all the time and – all these new regulations. There's a lot of things that are out there that I feel people didn't have to deal with 20 years ago. So I'm sure it's entirely possible to be successful, but I feel like the challenges are becoming becoming greater and greater. From your perspective, what are some of the ways that people can be successful regardless of what the circumstances are and achieve financial abundance? Well, that goes right back to our very first uh, question, which is is changing your own inner beliefs, you know, doing the inner work uh, of self-hypnosis, meditation, quieting your mind, uh, reflecting on the things that you believe, and, and, and making sure you're choosing empowering beliefs. You know, the, the, the very notion that, that it's more difficult to be successful now than it was 20 years ago, that's a belief. Now, there may be evidence to support it, but there's also evidence that could refute it, too. So my personal belief is that now is the perfect time to be a millionaire. <laughs> That's awesome. No problem. That's really awesome. yeah. It's, 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 oh yeah, there are you know somebody's gonna charge me more money for it, but that's okay. Everything's relative, right? So maybe I need to make a million two hundred thousand to be a millionaire, and maybe before I only needed to make a million one hundred thousand. But do I really care? No. Do I want to? Do I want even an ounce of my energy affected by by that stuff? No, because it just it puts me into an into an unresourceful state. So instead, I. I the way I describe it to people, and maybe the name of my next book or one of my next books is going to be called Prosperity Neurology. Okay, awesome. That's Rewiring that's great... your brain for prosperity. Some people have deeply held religious or spiritual beliefs, and one of the things that I always hear about in religion is that well, money is the root of all evil. So, regardless if you you know are open to the financial abundance, if you tend to subscribe or or actively engage in any religious spiritual practice that sees money as evil, are you ultimately doomed on a subconscious level to follow that path and not able to surpass or overcome that and achieve financial abundance? Well, I, you know, I think it's a misunderstanding uh, of, of, of the quote because the quote is the, the love of money is the root of all evil. Not money is the root of all evil. So, so if you dig a little deeper and you realize what it is, it's not whether you're, uh, you know, you're making money. It's a question of whether you've, you've shifted your, your priorities so that money is more important than humanity, more important than other people, more important than uh, giving back to the world. You know, if you're holding your money so tightly that, uh, uh, that it's not in flow, then yeah, you're gonna, you're going to, uh, usurp your own prosperity power. But most religions that I know, um, don't preach that money is the root of all evil. They, they just they they suggest that you remain open and generous, and that you give to the world, and that you don't you know make yourself small. Excellent, Mr. Steve Todman. I want to thank you so much. It was a great honor to talk to you to talk to you today. You know more about Steve by going to his website at stevetaubman.com. Again, you can learn more about him and see where he's performing, doing his shows, where he's speaking. He also got his great book, and he's also host of Executive Zen Talk Radio. Also, might want to check out his blog, too, because there are a lot of interesting points updated on a regular basis. It includes how to attain financial abundance, leadership skills. There's a lot we covered, and uh, Steve, it was a great honor to have you with us today. 
Absolute pleasure, Ryan. You've got a, you ask great questions, and it really uh, you, you put me uh, right up, up against uh, what we needed to say. So I appreciate that. Okay, everyone, that concludes today's edition of the Out of Limits of Inner Truth Radio Show. Special thanks to our terrific guest, Mr. Steve Taubman, and special thanks, as always, to our virtues, Ms. Carrie O'Connor, Ms. Lisa Kaza, and Ms. Constantellas. To learn more about the Out of Limits of Inner Truth Radio Show, please go to our website at outoflimitsradio.com. Till the next time we meet, my friends, wishing upon you an abundance of peace, love, and beers. Take good care, and thank you so much for listening. Want to be heard or seen in front of millions of people? Want to be an expert on TV or radio? Goldman McCormick PR is a New York City-based public relations agency that specializes in traditional and social media placement for law, finance, media, and corporate-based clients. Goldman McCormick PR also are specialists in website development, radio show creation, press conferences, media training, and so much more. Check out GoldmanMcCormick.com for more information. GoldmanMcCormick.com.